Insights, my very first podcast. Oh my God, this is exciting. I am your host, Nigel McLean, and this is your Tell Your Story. And this is a very exciting episode because I have a very special person right next to me, Mr. Ronald Dole. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Nigel. How about you? I'm very excited. And today's episode will be called It's Never Too Late. Now, you probably wonder why it's called Never Too Late. Mr. Ronald has an aspiring story that I feel like that needs to be heard and told. And you guys will listen to it. And I really appreciate you guys for tuning in. So, my name is Nigel McLean. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. I am from Sox 35th. I'm a White Sox fan. I'm sorry, Cubs. I just don't really mess with the Cubs like that. Um, I've been in Chicago majority of my life, and I just want to say that it's a lot of problems that we face in different communities and everything, and over the years, for the past eight years to be exact, I just want to say that it's a lot of problems, from police brutality, from people being kicked out their homes, or people not believing in themselves. But one thing stood out to me that I wanted to talk to everybody about, and that helped me pursue this podcast called Tell Your Story is that a lot of people have a lot of stories that have to be told and that need to be told because we all have a story that needs to be told. I'm not talking about just any basic story. I'm talking about that one story that dignified and impacted your life and changed your whole life. And that's what we made this podcast into. So without further ado, I'm ready to bring my guest on, Mr. Ronald Gold. He is a brother to me. He is a friend to me, an ex-classmate of mine at St. Xavier University. And he's also my director, ironic, but I wanted him to be my first guest because he has that story that that should open up things. And this is going to be a long journey, and I'm just looking for supporters and listeners and definitely feedback. If you guys have any feedback or if you want to tell your story, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is nigelmcclain98 at gmail.com, or you can reach me on Facebook, nachomcclain, don't ask, don't tell, and... My phone number, you guys can definitely email me for my phone number as well. Without further ado, let me bring my guest on now. Mr. Ronald, man, it is an amazing opportunity to have you here right next to me. What, what, like, what is going on like, in today's world that you feel like a lot of people are experiencing within themselves? I think that uh, one issue is that people experience is being validated, being heard, being recognized. As you said before, people have personal journeys, trials and tribulations. And even though they may have crossed that bridge and they survived and overcame, but sometimes it, there comes a time when they may want to tell that story to inspire others because sometimes you need to know you're not the only one and that there are others who's trying to figure a way out that you already figured out. So in this case, my journey is, is pretty simple. I mean, what exactly would you like to know about my journey? Well, for starters, I mean, I know a lot about you, but it's the listeners and the, and the potential fans out there for the podcast that might want to know who is Ronald Gold and what impacted him to come on here today to tell this story of his. So tell the people who are listening about your childhood. Well, my childhood was pretty simple. Mine is not a, a unique one, but I thought it was uh, <clears throat> pretty interesting. I grew up on the south side of Chicago myself, attended public school like anybody else. The difference with me, I grew up in foster care. So I was placed in a home at the age of two. And I remained into that home until the age of 18. And back then, back in the 80s, this is where they would say, you are emancipated, meaning you are free. So it means DCFS or the state did not take care of you anymore. So at that point, I was on my own or considered grown. 
But as time went on, I went on to school and took a break, and I decided that I need to explore life and see what it has to offer me. And I made some some good choices, and of course, I made some bad choices. I'm human, right? Yeah, everybody. So <laughs> I had to go through those trials and tribulations on my own. But I think as I've gotten older, because I am now 54. Wow, 54, man, you look good. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. But I think that I've learned in life that timing is everything. And everything that happened to me now in my, in my life was not supposed to happen then because every event that I went through in my life led me to where I'm at now because it was all a learning lesson. Well, I would say that I, I can agree to that. We are all human beings. And a lot of people, it's like social media has taken over yeah. in today's society. It's like when you're in a relationship, if you don't post your significant other, you you know, you don't you don't respect that person, you don't care about that person. It's like why do I need reinsurance from a social media from people I don't even know, you know? And it's just crazy that you talk about people making mistakes. Everyone feels like they're so perfect. I know for a fact that for me, I have high standards for myself. So when I fail at something, I am so hard on myself, you have no idea. But I'm pretty sure that's everyone who wants to succeed in life. And I want to tell all my viewers out there, if you're young, old, or up-and-coming adult, don't be so hard on yourself. Yes, always push yourself to the fullest extent that you can. But remember, you are a human being. You only have one life. And your mental and your spiritual health is more important than any and everything, that including jobs, school, anything. If there's any toxicness in your life, you should definitely get rid of it. That goes for family, friends, boyfriend, dog, cat, fish, whatever, okay? Because you don't want that growing up because then that's how you become bitter. That's how you become not enjoying life. You don't want to travel. You want to do this. You want to do that. So definitely get out and explore the world more as you only have one life, as I just stated, because, hey, man, once your life is up, it's up. There's no, you know, resurrection. There's no more coming back. So live your life to the fullest while you still have it. Now, Mr. Ronald, I really love that you said you were 54 years old. Now, we were students. We were we were classmates together at St. Xavier University. And I just have to ask, 54 years old, man. I mean, I, I just left school in 2018. Of course, I didn't finish. But you was there 54, what was that, 52 years old-ish? About 52, yeah. Wow, man. And... You was in foster care. That I, I was in foster care too, sir. Mm -hmm. I was in foster in and out of foster care growing up. Um, so I feel for you on the foster care part. Now, when you went back to school, how long did you sit out before you decided, hey, I'm gonna go and go get my degree and I'm gonna knock it out the park? Nigel, it's it's interesting you asked me that question. I was always a lover of school. You couldn't get me out of school, and for. I mean, I can even tell you, even summer breaks mentally destroyed me because I wanted to be in school. I wanted to be in school on the weekends because I'm a lover of school. But I graduated from high school in 1983, in Corliss High School on the South Side, 1983. And I did attend a community college, Olive Harvey, then I wind up for a year and a half. Then I stopped. I said, you know what? I need to get a job. So I used to watch my mother. She was a hairstylist. She did hair at home. So I said, I'm going to go to school and learn how to do hair. And that's what I'm going to do because I watched her do it. I can do it. It don't seem that hard. <laughs> so I went to school and I wind up uh, earning my license in hair as a licensed cosmetologist. And I start experiencing that, doing that job every day. Every day every, I'm doing this job. But I used to watch my mother. Um, she would um, take care of everybody 
in the neighborhood. So I used to watch her and I thought to myself, if she didn't have any money, it was nine of us growing up in the household. Nine kids. I'm number nine. Out of seven boys and two girls, I'm number nine. She took care of us and the neighborhood. My mother didn't work. My father had one paycheck. Mm -hmm. So whatever he brought home, that fed us nine and the neighborhood. And I said, when I grow up, I want to give back because she didn't know that she was laying the foundation for me. Wow. And so I took note of that, and I and I knew right there that was my calling. That was my calling to be, I was supposed to be doing something bigger and greater in my life. So in, um, 19, in about 2009, I decided to become a foster parent because it was blessed upon me, and I felt like it was my time to bless someone else. When you talk about school, I start getting children through the state, and every child I've taken had mental health challenges, ADHD, bipolar, imminent explosive disorder, developmental delay. And these children come into my home, they have a lot of issues and baggage. They just could not adjust to going to school. And no matter how many times I give them advice, you should do this, you should do that, don't give up, stay focused. It was actually falling on deaf ears. And so one day I said, you know what, God, I need your help. Everything I'm saying to these children is not working. I can talk. But they're not receiving the information the way I'm trying to deliver it to them. And long story short, he told me in my ear, go back to school. And I thought about it. Oh, I've been out of school 30 years, but I love school. Go back to school. And I woke up the next day. That same decision was on my mind, and I enrolled into Moraine Valley Community College in Palin. And that was in 2012. I decided to go back to school because at this point, how about stop telling these children what they should be doing and become a living demonstration and a living example of how you can overcome challenges and barriers. Now, they had mental issues and struggles. I get it. My struggle would be with my age. I'm pushing 50. So my age and technology would be my challenges in school. So I made that decision to go back to school to show them that I can overcome challenges and barriers just as you can. And the rest go from there. Wow, that is very touching. And how many kids did you adopt? Sir? I adopted six boys. Six All together, boys. a single dad. So when you talk about single fathers, which doesn't get too much recognition, and my story is not unique. It's just the difference about my story and somebody else. My story, nobody ever sheds light on it. But if there's a negative father, then that story gets a lot of attention. So... That is the epidemic that we face in the black community, sad right. to say, or any community at that, because it's like people expect, you know, a two-parent household, right? Exactly. And then when you have, most epidemic happens when you have a deadbeat dad. It's rare for a woman to be a deadbeat mom, but it happens. And She's never called out. Yeah, exactly. And that is really, that's really amazing. First of all, I applaud you for what Thank you've you. done. Thank you. Pushing 50 years old, going back to school yeah. as a full-time student. Taking algebra all over again. <laughs> yeah, taking algebra. Oh, man, I, you <laughs> I am scared of algebra. Oh, I'm terrified of that. <laughs> but anyway. You know, I never understood what uh, Y equals MS plus B had to do with me pursuing yeah. a communication degree. Um, and you also, you know, you pursued your degree with so much ambition. When I first met you, 
I can hear it in your voice. I'm like, man, this man here has to be 60 years old. Like, he looks amazing, but he has to be 60 years old, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and when we got closer and got to know each other, when I found out you adopted six boys, and it's like you became a full-time mom and dad all in one, and then you also full-time job, and then you do hair on the side for 28 years, man, that is a great hustle. And then it's like, you also graduated from the same school that you attended, and they also got a job, right? I graduated from the school that I attended, which is St. Xavier, and I was the commencement speaker for my graduating class, which I did not see coming. That came out of nowhere. So, but you have to understand that me returning back to school, as I mentioned before, I started my Rainy Valley part-time. So, because I had to get acclimated back into the school system, because remember, I've been out 30 years, Everything is, is, is technology. Everything is online. So I'm like, I have to get accustomed, learn how to use a keyboard again, a computer, copy and paste. I had to learn, I had to readjust and learn everything. But when I, when I went back to school, I felt like I had some fears about myself, being the oldest person in every class because people thought I was the instructor. I was the student. I did. And everybody, <laughs> and everybody in the class at my range was like 18, 19 years old, and I'm late 40, 50 years old. But they, they, they helped me adjust, and they got me through. And we still, some of us still remain friends today. And I and I graduated from there with no problems. And I came to XXU, which was another journey, because I'm like, I'm liking this, because I always liked school. And I came to XXU and pursuing a, a bachelor's degree in communication, which I just got this uh, last May. And because uh, we was in the same class, I was still a fresh new student when I met you. I was not there that long. I came in 2017 Whoa. and graduated in 2019. And so, and I have to admit, going back to school for me, the feeling is great. The feeling is good. I enjoy it because I've always had it. So I'm kind of glad that the children that I adopted was my motivation, my inspiration to put me back where I belong. That is a really amazing touching story right there. And <clears throat> when you gave that commencement speech, and you decide, you said that, you stated earlier, that not a lot of people between your situation and someone else's, not really many people shed the light on your situation. Never. When you got the word or the call or, or the email or the letter, hey, Miss Morano, we want you to be... Well, let me back know, you up a little bit. My, right, back I back had to audition. You did? Exactly. Wow. I, I'll tell you how the process went. You know, sometimes God places things in your life and he'll trigger the thought of something you should be doing. As a friend of mine would say, his name is Kent, he's a pastor. He said, well, you have the same thought over and over in your head. That's God chasing you, telling you to do it. And I remember I graduated in May of 2019. I remember walking down the halls of St. Xavier and I'm looking at this little fly on the wall. I want to be the commencement speaker, be the commencement speaker. I thought to myself, what do I have to talk about? I'm older. What were they looking for me? I thought about, okay, I have life experience. I'm older. Well, they didn't want somebody younger. It, I, so it was a, 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 a crisscross, like, where do I go? Long story short, I met with someone, a representative, and she just said, you have 24 hours to write a graduation speech. 24 hours. Four pages. I have never wrote a graduation speech in my life. I thought about, what do I do? What do I talk about? So long story short, I, I asked a friend of mine who's a writer, he said, Ron, it's very simple. Just tell your story. That was the exact way to tell your story. He said, because you're older. You have experience. You have life experience. You have demonstrated all that you can do here. And people have seen it and recognized it. I wrote the speech. 
I got it back a week later. They changed one word. One word. They added one word. Added one word? Added one word. The next process was I had to audition. And they made it kind of interesting because I had to go into a room with about 10 professors Mm -hmm. that I didn't know, never had. So that way it wouldn't be biased. And I had to wear a suit because I was recording. (laughs) Yeah. And on a video. Mm. And I found out that there were 10 of us. Just a difference. Out of 10 people, I was only male. Wow, really? And after our audition, he said, you'll know a week later. And long story short, he emailed me, said, come see me. I came in the office. He said, uh, congratulations, you are commissioned a speaker. I was so surprised. I was like, oh, my God. So I knew then that was a pivotal moment in my life because, again, that served as validation for me. It served that I'm doing the right thing. I'm going in the right direction. And I made some good conscious, clear decisions, obviously. So I was very happy about that. Well, that's amazing, sir. Well, congratulations to you for being a commission speaker. Um, out of curiosity, uh, was you in the newspaper by any chance? Uh, actually, <laughs> it was really amazing. The day of the graduation, um, I, I, I spoke at the graduation. That was probably the largest, was the largest audience I ever spoke to because I'm a, a public speaking major. So that was the biggest audience I ever spoke in front of. And after the graduation, we had a luncheon for the commencement speakers and other people who had some ranking. It wasn't me, but they were hiring me. And the lady, the photographer approached me. She said, I enjoyed your speech. I said, thank you. She said, no, I really, she said, you're older. I said, thank you. And she started asking me, what inspired you to go back to school? What, why did you come here? What's your motivation? How did you survive here? And I just told her bits and pieces of my story. Last thing I knew, she said, I need someone to tell your story. And that was, I graduated in May. Uh, I had a, a someone call from the Chicago Tribune, like two days later after I graduated. Wow. And did an interview over the phone. A week later, I was in the Tribune paper telling my story and my picture mm-hmm. of me giving a speech. Wow. And then recently, as of last week, I was in the St. Xavier paper again because the person who wrote the story was also a student in one of my classes. We were students. I was not a professor yet. And he said, Ron, you always inspired me. I want to write about you because we've had two classes together, your energy. And he wrote about me. So it's like, but but that's great and I'm happy, but I feel like my story is empowering and and, and, and it's inspiring others. Because at the end of the day, Nigel, it's really not about me. It's not about me. I don't brag. I'll do what God told me to do. And that's exactly how this day is going every day. I do what he tells me. So I'm hoping my story, even you asking me to do this, was like validation, confirmation. I'm on the right path. So I don't know. I don't know what the next step is going to be at this point. And back in August, I was called from St. Xavier, <laughs> received a call. Can you please teach one of our classes? And I was like, wow, I'm not ready. They said, no, you're ready. Come teach. And I got hired in August. I did my first semester, which was great. I'm now in semester number two, and I'm currently working on my master's degree, which I will graduate this coming May. Wow. So May is another month for me. A year later, I'm graduating again with a master's in communication. So I, this was my call, and I answered the call. That is really touching right there. <clears throat> um, I mean, you, 54 years old, going back to school 30 years later, seeing what your mom went through and everything, and then you also adopting six kids, mm-hmm. and then it's like, you starting over, because yeah. what was different from the 80s was 
two like two decades later, it's exactly. like technology took exactly. over the game. So you had to readjust. Wow. Now my question to you is: When you was in foster care, you did mention to me outside of the podcast yes. that you met your original parents. I did. No, I didn't meet my parents. Um, when I became a foster parent, uh, the first year after being a foster parent, I only had two boys that I was in the process of adopting. They decided, DCFS, decided to write a story about me. See, I'm always getting stories about being foster parent of the year. Wow. So they came to the house, had the lighting, the, everything set up, photographer, somebody interviewed me, and she interviewed me, and then off the camera she said, so, you know, why did you become a foster parent? I said, well, I was a, I was a foster child, and I never met my parents, and I want to make sure everybody that I adopt will keep in touch with their connection because family bonds are important. I never had that because I never met my biological. And that's when she told me, she said, we have a program where we can open the records and we can find whoever it is that may be still surviving in your family. I'm going to say that process took a year. But I met my siblings and found out that my biological mom passed away 10 years ago. Father, they could never find. And I met the siblings like a year later after that interview. But unfortunately, after one interview, we never seen or spoke to each other ever again. I don't know what happened, but it just didn't turn out well. But there's a blessing in everything. It doesn't have to turn out well, but in every negative, I find a positive. So in this case, my positive was all I wanted was a picture of my mother. That's all I wanted, and I got it. I'm fine. Dang. I mean, like, that is crazy. Like, I want to say bonds are definitely important. Family right. bonds is always important. I, I am a big, I'm a big family-oriented man. Um, I wouldn't know what I would do without my brothers. I don't mm -hmm. have sisters, unfortunately, but I wouldn't know what I'd do at all without my four brothers. You know, right. Sean, Tyler, Rodriguez, Jet Jet. I wouldn't know what I would do without them. They mean the world to me. And I feel like my bond with them is more important than a bond with my actual parents because I grew up all the time with these individuals. Recently, actually, fun fact about me, we are a foster home mm -hmm. and we have you know, Jet, Jet Triplett, and he's a one-year-old, and we have seen him overcome <clears throat> a lot because his family was, you know, in the, well, he's been in the system for a long mm -hmm. time for whatever reason, and he came into an African-American home because right. he's white, and I didn't, at first I didn't know how to feel about it, because I'm like, oh man, he's white in a black home, and I, got, I can't be saying things like the N-word or, you know, cussing and stuff like that. Man, this man has really grown on it to me. Actually, every time I look at him, it's like, man, I'd be ready to have a child. But I know, Lord knows, I'm not ready yet. That's a big responsibility. Um, and we bond all the time. And now I'm at the point in my life where I wouldn't know what I'd do without little man. Because if the system comes and takes him out the home, say, hey, he's time to go back to his parents, I'm happy for him. That's the end goal, to go back to your parents. But Yeah, they call that re reunification. Yeah, and... I wouldn't know what I would do without him, honestly, because we had a lot of kids come and go, but he's like the only one I've grown attached to, and I want to see him grow and grow into the man we want him to be overall. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make sure we teach him right that, hey, diversity is a great thing, you know, so we want to, it, it's just a lot, man. Like, being in the foster care changes a lot of people. I was in the foster care for a while, and it definitely changed me a lot. And I got reunified with my mom and everything. And from there, 
it's been it's been a great journey for me on my end. Um, I, a lot of people told me I wasn't going to make it to 18 mm-hmm. because of my decisions. I was stealing. I was over here always in trouble, fighting, put my mama through a headache. When I got to Chicago, live with my dad and my stepmom, you know, it was an upgrade for me because of my situation in Indianapolis. I, I, I was living in Indiana for almost a decade. Um, my mama wanted us a better environment for me and my other two brothers, Nashawn and Tyler, because she didn't want to get that phone call in Chicago yeah. and say, hey, one of your kids been shot and killed. You know, because if I'm not mistaken, 03, 04, the early 2000s, growing up in Chicago was getting rough. Yes, it was. Rough. I'm, wasn't that around the time when, like, I think the GDs was, you know, just really, man, you know, and well, she didn't want that. She didn't. She wanted better for us. So we moved to Indiana. And I'm not gonna lie, I put my mama through hell, you know, growing up. Yes, I am just a kid. Yes, I made mistakes. Um, I did know right from wrong. And I wanna say that I am proud of the man I am today. Because mm-hmm. I made it to 18, I graduated on time with no children. Made it to 21, that was the big one. Because a lot of people don't make it to 18, a lot of people don't make it to right. 21. And I have overcome a lot of adversity. Instead of stealing, I earned my money. Instead of lying, I tell the truth. No matter how it hurt a person's feelings, I tell the truth because at the end of the day, they can't come back and say, he's a liar. They can come back and say, I respect him because he told me the truth. That's all you can do is the truth. Now, do you hold any regrets in your life? Like, if you had to look back at life, your 54 years of living on this earth, and you look back, would you ever change or or would you say you want to regret anything you were doing? Well, it would be false for me to say I don't regret anything. I think we've all, in this thing called life, have made some decisions we're not so proud of and some regrets that we have. But I think the thing is that you have to learn from that and grow from that and learn to make better choices, make better decisions. Yes, I have some things I regret, but as I told you, you know, I could have became a foster parent in my 20s and 30s, but the timing was not right for me to do that. I had to get myself together and get myself, not that I was doing anything bad, I don't want to give you that impression, but it wasn't my time to because maybe God felt like I wasn't ready. So I, I wasn't prepared enough. I couldn't teach a child. I couldn't discipline a child. I couldn't give a child guidance and structure at that early age. When I got to my late 40s, that's when the thought hit me. Now is your time. And that's when I started the process. So yes, I do regret some things. But as I've gotten older now and returning back to school was a big, big help. Uh, I, I'm happy right now. Every decision I made at this point, I'm, I'm happy with. But I'm still learning like everybody. I'm still learning in the process. It's, also, it's a continued uh, process. Even my boys at home, I have six of them. And I have a, a, a multiracial home. I have three African-American boys. I have two Caucasian. I have one Hispanic. So I'm black and white myself. So talk about diversity. <laughs> yeah. I am the epitome of the diversity. So I understand what you're talking about. So I think at this point, as my children are getting older, I'm being more of a demonstration. I want them to see it. I'm not talking the talk. I'm walking the walk at the same time. And then that way they can see it. They're like, oh, dad. Well, they all call me different names. Ron, Mr. Gall, dad. Whoever moved there in that day, they call me different names. (laughs) But they're still children, right? Yeah. And they need their love, support, and guidance. And that's all I can do. So when I go to bed at night, I don't I don't have bad thoughts. I get a good night's sleep every day. Because I know tomorrow I can get another opportunity to start over again. Twenty four hours, baby. Exactly. Yeah. 
Wow, man. And that's great that you have a multi-diverse you know, home. And <clears throat> it's really great that you're teaching them diversity and that, hey, man, not all Caucasians are bad or not all Hispanics no. are bad. Let's be real here because every race has their own skeletons in the closet. You yeah. know, we all do. You know, if you look at whites, oh, they racist. They're KKKs. If you look at blacks, slavery and everything. You look at Hispanics, immigrants. So it's like we all face different epidemics in our own ways. And I'm, I applaud you for teaching them your way of unconditional love and support. And um, it's like, I don't even know what to say to that, man. Because it's like, it touches me in so many ways because I've been in fire, so I've been in foster care and I've seen so many kids come and go, come and go, come back. And it's, it's like- Well, it touches you because we have a big age difference. Yeah. But our story, our story is relatable. We almost, in a sense, have a shared experience. You might have went a different route. I might have went a different route. The outcome was still the same. We survived. We became better than what we were. And we didn't live foster care to find who we were. We didn't live foster care to find out how far we would go in life. My difference between you, I use foster care to pursue it and become a foster parent. That's the only difference. And you may get to that point. I don't know. You may. You might. I don't know. But... That was the difference. I decided to take what someone did for me and bless someone else. And that's what I did. Well, and uh, kudos to you, you know. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting a little <laughs> choked okay. up over here. Um, so what would be like your biggest accomplishment or obstacle that impacted your life in all of your years of living? Um, with, you got your adopting six kids, you got uh. meeting your siblings, or going back to school 30 years later. Which one, which one of those three would you say really and like molded your molded your submitted your mm -hmm. legacy into you being who you are today i think uh when i um look at my kids and i look at how where they come from and where they're at now that brings joy to me yeah it's good man it's good. that brings joy because i know where they came from and i know where they're at now and I like to know, I like to feel good about myself that I did that. I had a hand in that. Because God only knows where they would have been had I not intervened into their life. Or I had not interrupted their life. See, I had to interrupt their life to become a part of their life to get them where they're at. So when I see them accomplishing things, I sit back and say, God, it was nothing but by the grace of you. You used me to help them. So that's my biggest accomplishment. When my kids come home and they have a great day and they're off of half the medication that they were on, I like to think that I had a hand in that. So to me, that would be my biggest accomplishment because no matter where I work at or what school I go to, my children are number one. That's why I work and I grind hard for them. I get my last dollar for my kids. So my children are my biggest inspirations. Even though the days they may not like me, and that's normal for kids, right? Yeah. That's so <laughs> for me, that's my, that's, 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 they're my, they're my energy, they're my charge, they're my fuel to get up out the bed every day. Even when I'm in aches and pains over 50 every day and I feel it, I get up. Because I want them to see I'm not lazy. I get up, I go to work, I pay bills, I cook, I clean, I do everything. Because I am still a demonstration every single day. So when I see them emulating what I'm doing, and I can sit back sometimes and say, you know what? God is good because they were paying attention. All the time. They paid attention. So my biggest would be the children, the outcome of how my children are going. That's my biggest accomplishment. Because me going back to school 
I wasn't too worried about that because I know what I'm capable of. The children is always a question mark because you don't know what's going to happen. So the children, in my case, would be my biggest inspiration. Yeah, accomplishment. You, like, you just touched my heart in so many ways. <sighs> and seeing you tear up about it, I really feel that raw feeling of you being successful mm-hmm. as a black man. Right. You know, adopting six kids, teaching them unconditional love, and you seeing them grow each and every day, coming right. off medication. That that is something to be proud of. And I'm like I said, for everyone who's listening out there, I can probably speak for them and say mm-hmm. like they are happy and proud of you too. Oh, I, I, I thank you. You go over here giving your last dollar to kids that you you every know day. you never even you know they never came from you and another woman. You adopted someone else's kid, took on that biggest challenge. And change their life like they changed yours. So that offends me when I hear females talk about baby fathers or they call them baby daddies. That offends me when baby daddies don't do it or fathers don't. Well, guess what? You never asked me. So you just took what you experienced or what you heard or what you know, but you never asked me. Because I can give you a whole different perspective on this baby father or the baby daddy syndrome. But this, these are the stories that never get shed in light. For example, think about it. Mother's Day. Mother's Day restaurants are packed. Hours of Mother's Day cards. Father's Day restaurants are empty. One hour of cards. So what's that tell you right there? It's, uh, <laughs> it's the world we live in. <laughs> but this, bias, how, but bias this is world. how society perceives baby uh, perceives fathers. Yeah, definitely. And unfortunately, the bad outweigh the good. Yeah, because it's a lot of it's a lot of great fathers out here. Uh, my dad, he was never perfect. And he was never that father who was like, oh, he was never strict, really. You know, mm-hmm. I, truth be told, I've lived with my mother majority of my life, mm-hmm. and my dad really never came around. But June fifteenth, on a six p.m. on a Friday night, I'll never forget this. In twenty twelve is when my mother and my dad went to port, had that little hashed out. Mm-hmm. I'm here full time. Okay. I finally got what I wanted, per se. And my grandmother, Kathy, she has been an inspiration on my life as well. We butt ahead so many times between mm-hmm. her and my dad, everyone. We all butt heads because that's what families do. At the end of the day, I love her to death, and I do anything for that woman because she was there. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, Beverly, she was there. My stepmama, Mama Pam. I don't even call, I don't like to use that word, step, because that is a mother to me. That's your mother. That right. is my mother. I have my biological mom, Tashonda. I right. love her to death. I love all my mothers equally. I love all my families equally. My dad is like my biggest, my biggest, you know, supporter. We butted so many times. We butted heads. We fits. We physically fought. We physically got into it in the mindset mm-hmm. over small things. But it's crazy because we are twins. Like if you look at my dad, and you look at me, and be like, are y'all twins? <laughs> you know that's. Everybody right. will always say, you all are twins. But one thing I can never come with my father, yeah, he was not always around growing up. But these last seven years, last eight years, mm-hmm. he was there. Okay. He was a father. I needed a father figure in my life, and he was there. And kudos to Pamela Hoskins because she didn't have to let me inside of her home. She didn't have to let my dad inside her home, but she took my dad. Right. <laughs> she took me. And I had this big old family, you know. It was definitely different because I grew up in a household with me and my brothers, me and my other two brothers, Nashawn and Tyler, and my mom. And my mama, she would work 
single eight-hour shifts, 12-hour shifts, 16, sometimes possibly even 24 mm. to make things happen for me and my brothers. And <clears throat> it kind of breaks my, it, it doesn't kind of, it breaks my heart that I can't go back in the past and change what I've done to the that side of the family because I didn't realize I took a lot for granted and I didn't realize how hard she bust her ass and she really worked her butt off to get to where she wanted us to get to. She moved to Chicago. She moved away from Chicago for a reason. I never understood that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. You know, you know that saying as a black folks, hard ass, hard ass, many soft ass, right? right? You know, right. Um, I've heard that from that was <laughs> that was me. Uh, that so <laughs> <laughs> that was me. You know, I was the that was the rockhead kid, and I'm not saying my other two brothers were perfect. They made mistakes, and and they but they capitalized. I wasn't that kid. I didn't mature up until I reached high school, and everybody blossoms at different paces, and everything, and everybody grows at different paces. But I want to say shout out to my family, my my grandmothers, my aunties, my uncles, my my brothers, my moms. <laughs> You know, and my cousins, my brothers, because without you guys, I would not be where I am today. I would not be sitting right next to Mr. Rano doing this tell your story interview because, you know, everybody has a story. And my mama, Tashonda, I love you so much, and I can't wait to see you again and give you a big old hug. She lives in Lufkin, Texas. I mean, okay. Texas is really beautiful. I love I've been there. Yeah, oh man. I plan on doing that for my birthday. We'll see how it goes. Um What's your birthday? Dallas. Uh sorry, I don't know why I said Dallas. <laughs> April twenty fourth. Uh I'm a ninety eight baby. I think that's the best year. Mm-hmm. The year the Broncos won. That's the year that I wanna say a lot has happened for the economy too. But trying to not get off side track here, but <clears throat> this is the closing part of the podcast. So, Mr. Ronald, I really appreciate you coming here. For all the listeners out there, what would you recommend? What type of some advice or suggestion that you would give to them out there that's probably going through the same thing you're going through, whether it's foster care or potentially not going back to school because of age or finances mm-hmm. or anything like that? What would you recommend and what would you suggest? Well, you know, Nike says it best, just do it. Um, because I never wanted to get to the point in my life while I, where you would hear me say I should have, could have, would have. No, while I have breath in my b- body and I'm in my right mind, I'm going to do it. Because you know, like, the days go quick. Years go fast. Months go fast. And if it's something that's constantly on your mind that's reminding you of something that you should be doing over, well, maybe that's a sign that maybe you should look into it and just do it. In other words, Whatever it is your heart desires and that you want to do, look into it. Explore it. See what it has to offer. Make that decision. And if it sounds great and if it sounds good, pray on it. Once you pray on it, and once you get that confirmation, then just do it. Yeah, you heard it right from him, folks. Just do it like Nike, you know. (laughs) For all my friends who know me out there, I always say just do it. Follow your heart. And this is what the podcast, this is what my heart truly desired. I wanted to help people, but I didn't know how to. I wanted my voice to be heard, but I didn't know how. So I had the voice from Mr. Ronald right here. He believed in me. Uh, day one in Mr. Peter Creighton class, that's our communications professor. Shout out to Mr. Peter. Um, Ronald heard my voice, and he felt like I should be on the radio. Well, everybody tells you that. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, like a lot of, and I just didn't see what everybody saw, but that was because I had that self-hatred, that self-doubt. I didn't really truly believe it like you everyone else. You wasn't ready 
and the work might catch high. Call it what it is. That's big facts. You are right. I wasn't ready. Well, that's 2020, baby. I am ready, and I'm ready for many more episodes like these. Mr. Rondo, I really appreciate you for coming out. I appreciate it. I really um, appreciate it. And it's crazy because you're my director, so I'll be seeing you more often. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know. Oh, my God. All right, folks. Thank you guys for tuning in. And I want to say shout out to everyone who believed in me up until this point. Shout out to God. Without him, it wouldn't be possible. And for all my believers in God, continue praying and continue believing it. You, it will happen over time. It, things do take time and patience. If you want that car, work hard to get that car. If you want to travel, save up and travel. If you want that job, claim it and go get it. Next up, my next episode will be aired next week, and I will have a juicy one for you guys, so you guys don't want to miss it. Please, please, please be safe, and you guys have a wonderful, wonderful work week and enjoy your weekend. Godspeed.